Well, good morning, Mercy Church. How are you doing? My name is Alan Warohio. I'm the student director here at Mercy Church, and I'm so excited to be the one to bring the Word of God this morning for us to fellowship, for us to be in the Word. I am so overjoyed. We have been in the book of Proverbs for the past how many? It's like a month. We've been in this book. We've learned so much. We've been reading a chapter every single day, and we've been posting that on Instagram, encouraging each other. And today we'll continue being in the book of Proverbs. Okay. So as we have been going through this series called Live Well, we've seen how the book of Proverbs offers us two paths. On one side, it shows us the path of life. And on the other side, it shows us the path of death. What we're doing is coming to the word of God and finding wisdom there, okay? This wisdom, which for us starts with the fear of the Lord, leads us to the good life, to the path of life. We are being encouraged to keep racing, keep driving towards life, towards our risen Savior, daily growing to be more like Christ. If you do not know this about me, or you're like, where is that accent from? Um... I'm from Kenya, which is in Africa. And over there, we have these things called roundabouts. Uh, there are these things that uh, most Americans find very appalling. They are, <laughs> they are round uh, junctions that you find in places. You go round and round and round. Now, the thing about roundabouts is when you get into the roundabout, most of us forget how to drive. And the thing is, uh, the people driving next to us, they also forget how to drive. So you have all these people who don't know how to drive, and they're trying to get out of the roundabout, okay? Now, imagine this is not your neighborhood roundabout. It's like a four-lane roundabout on a rainy day because that's how it is in Nairobi, okay? That right there is a picture of what we're going to talk about today. That's the picture of worry. It keeps you going round and round and never really arriving. You see, worry is a roundabout that keeps you from advancing onto the, pay, onto the path of life. It keeps you stuck there. You just keep going round and round. And here's the thing. All of us have our roundabouts. We all have our worries. You're worried about the economy. You worry about whether your children will turn out okay. You, you're worried about finding that special uh, person, your spouse, and being married at a specific time. These are roundabouts. You worry about the health, making the right grade. And, and, and you know, it's not lost on me that Tuesday is election day. And that can be a source of worry for most of us. This morning, I want us to unpack as best as we can, the source of worry, the effects of worry, and God's promise of freedom from worry. I want you to hear me say this straight from the onset. I want you to hear this, that our struggles do not define us, but rather our salvation through and by Jesus Christ gives us our identity. We all worry. We're all prone to worrying. But what we'll see this morning is God's resolution for this problem. It is very practical. He calls us to receive his good word for us. And then he calls us and and compels us to go speak that good word to the rest of the world. That is what we're going to see this morning. Our guiding passage is Proverbs 12, 25. If you're there with me, let's read it together. Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety 
in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. Before we can consider the word of the Lord, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word, and these are your people. We eagerly want to hear from you. We expect a good word from your word today. Help us to grasp what we see in your word. Help us to yield to the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you change a life today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the writer of Proverbs tells us that anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. This word translated here as anxiety denotes worry. It is this extreme emotional distress caused by fear of losing something vital to life. One thing we can all agree on is we are living in an anxious age. Uh, According to a research done in 2018... 91% of Gen Z, these are uh, people between the age of 8 and 23, said they felt physical or emotional symptoms such as depressing or anxiety associated with stress. And this hits home for me as someone who works with students. Most people are anxious about making big decisions. Many people are afraid of failing. Then there are some who are uncertain about the future and insecure in who they are. In the middle of all this worry in the world, it's easy for us to conclude that worry is only what happens to us. And if that's the only way we define worry, then we will leave ourselves open and prone to more worry. So what is worry? Where does it come from? What is the source of worry? The first observation we need to make here is that worry is a condition of the heart before it becomes a response to a situation. I think I need to say that again. Worry is a condition of the heart before it becomes a response to a situation. For us to understand this, we have to take it all the way back to Genesis. Uh, The book of Genesis, it's by the way, the easiest book to arrive at. Just flip the first few pages and it's right there. Genesis 2.25. It tells us, Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Before the fall, Adam and Eve had no fear of the unknown. They lived in a perfect relationship with God. They were not worried, but something he had changed. Look with me at Genesis 3, 8 To 10, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. What we see here is the beginning of worry and anxiety. Before Adam and Eve listened and trusted the words of the serpent, they were worry-free. They were naked and unafraid. They did not realize they were naked. The voice of the Lord did not invoke fear in them. But as soon as they disobeyed the Lord, fear crept in. And they were worried. They trusted the serpent who told them not to trust the Lord. And this brought fear and worry. Now they were very fearful, naked and afraid right now. That's why worry is a condition of the heart before it becomes 
a, a response to a situation. Worry is a fruit of our fallen nature. And another way of thinking about this is something I had one of our pastors, Pastor Rashad, he always has a way with words. He said that worry is something that is in us before it is something that happens to us. Think about that. Listen again to these words, Psalms 12:25. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. What the writer of the proverb is saying simply is worry is, is something that is oppressing you. Worry in someone's heart oppresses him. Anxiety does something in us that affects our behavior. It affects our emotions, our attitude, our approach to life, and even our physical health. We, 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 we both physically and mentally get oppressed because we are worried. The thing about worry is, though, it begets more worry. It, it is a condition that keeps on giving. And there are triggers in life that place us on this roundabout of worry. Remember, we defined worry as an extreme distress caused by fear of losing something vital to life. The more valuable something is to us, the more worried or the more worried we are about losing it or losing control of it. This could be a job. It could be passing an exam. It could be our children. Parents, you know this. You know your children are pretty much the center of your life. Your entire calendar is planned around the things they have to do. Your decisions are made based on how they will affect your children. We can all agree that we value our children a lot. So what happens when their health or wellness is threatened? I'll give you an illustration. Within the first 10 minutes of our third born, Ezra being born, he was placed in the newborn intensive care unit. He could not breathe on his own, so they had to help him out. They had all these machines. What followed were nine of the longest days in our lives. Just worried, what's going to happen to our boy? I remember looking at our little boy, and I'm like, there's nothing I can do for him right now. Talk about not being in control. Talk about you don't have anything you can do. There's nothing I could do to fix the situation. And I know he's been there too. You got that call into the office and you were told you're going to lose your job very soon. You received that call that someone close to you has passed. Or it was your son or daughter who was being rushed to the hospital. All these conditions can lead us into a state of worry which in turn oppresses our hearts and our bodies. But please listen to me. Placing our trust in anything temporary triggers worry. If you place your trust on anything temporary, your worry will be triggered. If you place your hope and security and sense of peace in anything temporary, including all the wonderful God-given gifts that we have, which include our jobs and our children, it will trigger worry. If you worry about losing your job, not making the good grade, which might lead you to to go to this school with a scholarship, or when are you going to get married, all those things. You'll be continually worried because those things and those relationships were not meant to give you the ultimate peace and rest. They were meant to point you to the one you should get your ultimate peace and rest and security and hope from. One pastor says it this way. We walk into the future in God-glorifying confidence, not because the future is known to us, but because it is known to God. 
And that's all we need to know. And please hear me. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that you should pretend that the situation is not real and that the situation is not painful. What I'm saying is don't worry about what you cannot control. And that means don't worry about anything because there's really nothing you can control. I believe, and this is a side note, I believe in praying on my way to the hospital. I recognize that there are issues that we need uh, special counsel on. There, there are struggles that we're going through that need special attention from a therapist or a licensed professional. And I encourage you to, to seek help. Our equip ministry would love to talk with you about that, to take the next steps. Most of us but, but, but here's the thing. Most of our worry and anxiety is brought on by misdirected perspective. We, we let our circumstances, our misinformed expectations and misfortune rob us of the joy that is in us and is ours in Christ Jesus. Now, with that said, I do believe that worry offers us an opportunity. What do you mean by this? I know you're asking. What? No. Look at, look at the things that trigger worry in you, which bring anxiety to your soul. Could it be that those things, those are the areas and trials and challenges you haven't fully trusted God with? Could it be? You're still holding on to them? You're still trying to control the situation, trying to figure it out? You, you tell yourself you can do it all by yourself? Listen, rest will only come when you bring those things to the Lord and live it with Him. Leave those things with the Lord because our God is able to do all things and all things work together for the good of those who are called according to the purpose of God who love him and he loves you. So leave those things to him. So maybe whatever you're you're, you're worried about is what you need to, to talk to your brothers and sisters. Hey, you need to pray with me that I may leave this thing with the Lord and not carry it by myself. And also, God has made it that the church, the people of God together, hand in hand, should be encouraging and carrying each other's burdens. So please do not carry the Lord by yourself. Bring it to the people of God and let God work through your brothers and sisters to both encourage you when your situation triggers worry in your heart and also offer tangible help with situations that might trigger that worry in your heart. This is what we've seen about worry. One, the worry is a condition of the heart before it becomes a response to a situation. And two, placing our trust in anything temporary triggers worry. Now, let's look at this proverb again, the second part of the proverb, because there's good news here. Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. The good word here suggests speech that effectively offsets and the threats that produces anxiety in us. Think of it this way. Anxiety knocks you out of commission, but a personal, a kind, a pleasant, a sweet, a timely, a thoughtful word restores us with encouragement and hope. The last thing you really need when you're anxious or worried is a word that makes it worse. Okay? Have you ever tried to talk to someone about what you're worried about, and then they tell you how... The world is crazy. It's like, I don't need that right now. just need you to encourage me, okay? And, and guess what? That's exactly what other people who are going through something need when they're worried. They don't need your skepticism or the other troubles in the world. They need a good word. 
for those around us to gain or regain a proper perspective on life, we have to give them this good word that makes the heart glad. Proverbs 15.30 tells us this way, bright eyes cheer the heart. Good news strengthens the bones. The first thing we observe about this good word is a good word gives us the courage to face every situation. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians 1.4. It says, he comforts us all in, our, in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. People around us are going through many different and difficult situations. Depression is on the rise, stress and all the other symptoms of worry are on the rise, and we have an opportunity to breathe life into people's hearts with a good word. We have gone through, you've gone through some things in your life. You've gone through some painful things in your life, but the Lord got you through those things. And you can look back and see his hand in all those things. And that is a good word there that you can share with someone. I'll give you another illustration. By the way, my illustrations today are just about my kids and their health, so bear with me, okay? One of the major sources of worry for me, and my wife would say for her too, is the health of our firstborn, Anaya. She has ulcerative colitis, and, and she is on some immunosuppressant medicine. Every time she coughs, I'm like, Lord... You know, I hope it's not something. But I have seen God restore her health. I, I, I can feel in my heart being, being prone to worry, but I know I have seen God restore her health. From, from, from being in the intensive care unit, she has also been there too. It, it runs in our family, I think. <laughs> to having two colonoscopies before she was five. But I have seen God restore her health. And so I can use that to encourage someone who's going through the same thing today because I know there's a good word there. So every struggle you've gone through is not wasted because God took you through it. You can encourage someone going through something right now with what God did, what God has done when you went through your situation. Now, for us to be able to speak life, we have to be grounded in the life-giving words and promises of God. Our words, devoid of God's spirit, are but empty, void words. We only speak life because our Lord and Savior speaks life over us. This brings me to my last observation here. A good word from God, applied by faith, makes the heart glad. A good word from God, applied by faith, makes the heart glad. Because of the reality of sin and our fallen nature, we sometimes respond with fear instead of faith. We think we're in control instead of recognizing God is the one who is in control. In moments of forgetfulness, we stop trusting in and relying on God and his goodness. We stop trusting in the sovereignty of God and his faithfulness. Therefore, we need to hear a good word from the God, our Lord. His word is able to break any bondage of fear and anxiety. He is able to shower us with a peace that surpasses all understanding so that when the pressures of this world trigger the worry in our heart, we can find rest and comfort in our Lord and his goodness. Remember when we started this, we went to Genesis and we saw the Genesis, the origin of worry. But listen to this. Genesis 3.15 tells us, 
I will put hostility between you and the woman and between and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God and worry and fear became part of their reality, the Lord God did not just kick them out of the garden. He didn't just say, get out of here. He extended some grace to them by not wiping them out and not only that, by giving them a good word. This verse here, is central to our Christian faith. It is usually called the first good news, the first gospel. In it, we see God throughout history from right there at the beginning of human history. We see God's redemptive purpose. God promised that he would provide a savior to reconcile all humanity to himself, including taking away the problem of worry and anxiety. Are you worried right now? that you're not in good standing with God? Is that the source of, your, of, of the anxiety you feel right now? Maybe that's why you're even watching this sermon. The greatest comfort I have is knowing that I am a child of God. There is nothing in this world that gives me more comfort, that gives me more confidence than knowing that God is my Father. Ephesians 1.5 tells us that God predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the goodness, to the good pleasure of his will. If you do not have this kind of confidence, you don't have that confidence that you belong to God. Listen, are you in a right relationship with God? Are you worried about that? You have somehow believed that maybe if you do good things, they will offset the bad things and somehow God is going to accept you. Listen, here's a good word. Jesus has done everything necessary for your salvation. You do not have to work for your salvation. Only thing you need to do is believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart and you will be saved. You only need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. If you're ready to make that decision, please go to the chat box, just write your name, and one of our team members will reach out to you because we would love to walk with you through these steps because there is a great salvation for you. You don't have to be worried and anxious about your standing with God because he has offered a free salvation free for you. This morning, it can happen right now. God's truth is the remedy for anxiety and worry. And we can all put all our burdens and the heavy loads that we have and cares on him because he cares for us. Two things we have seen about this good word is that a good word gives us the courage to face every situation. And that a good word from God applied by faith makes the heart glad. So now, church, how do we apply this to our life today? What should our response be this morning? I have two applications for us. Receive God's good word for you and speak a good word. And those two have to be in this order because if you do not receive God's word for you first, you will only speak a good word so you can receive it back. And the thing that was supposed to bring you joy and bring a blessing to other people will become a source of worry for you. Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, I tell you, you have good shoes so that you can tell me I have a good shirt. My words right now are void. I do want you to tell me I have a good shirt, though. No, I'm just, just messing with you. Receive God's good word. This world is filled with all kinds of bad news. You only need to flip on the, on the news channels. If we listen to our thoughts or listen to the words of other people, we will be continually worried. We need, however, to listen to the word of God. Focus on the promises of God and let your heart rest on the faithfulness of the Lord. Take care. Listen, God takes care of the wildflowers. He takes care of the wild animals. He will surely take care of you. In fact, that is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Listen to this. He says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows what you need. What is it that you need? Your heavenly father knows about it. So instead of worrying about it, bring it to the Lord, your father, who knows about it. He created you. He can surely take care of you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He calls you a son and a daughter. You have been adopted by God. You are part of his family. You are God's workmanship. He fully knows you and yet fully loves you. Receive his good word and let it make your heart glad. Receive God, God's good word and let it cheer your heart. Let it fill you with gladness. Let it help you exit the roundabout onto the path of life. The second thing is speak a good word. Last week, Pastor Spence uh, talked to us about the importance of our words. And I've been talking a lot of words today. How many words do you speak? I think he talked about that, like a booklet and something. I know my sermons. No. <laughs> words have power. The tongue has the power to kill or to give life. Every day we have an opportunity to speak life into someone. Students, when you're posting on social media... Are you posting something that gives life or takes life? Just think about that. Are you uplifting your children, parents? Are you encouraging them? Or do you only point out when they do something you don't approve of? Yeah. Spouses, by the way, let me tell you. Even the single truthful word of telling your spouse that they look beautiful and handsome can really make someone's heart glad. So yeah. you might want to try that sometime. We have a great message of a great salvation, restoration, and hope. Let us share this with our brothers and sisters. Let us be the source of a good word that cheers someone's heart. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10, 25, 24, 25 tells us. Let us consider one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching and now we get to one of my favorite parts in a sermon especially here at mercy where i get to give you soul work because i feel like a principal right now 
soul work this week, I would really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to speak a good word of encouragement to at least three people in your life. It can be someone in your family. It can be someone in your workplace. It can be someone at school. It can be that online instructor that you're not liking right now. I do want you to pick three people at least to speak a word of encouragement to them. Be a source of that good word. Let your words, founded in the truth of God's good word, make their hearts glad. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.